there there's no unorange filling someone, especially yeah. not people who technical people who also get the philosophical side. This that no way you're going to convert that guy back. And I just want to play my really small part in all of that because history will remember who were on that side and who will be on the other side, especially. I, I'm not doing this out of ego, but uh, if I have to be the janitor in any company, I'll do it uh, because I'll take off that load. So I'm still part of that process. And this is my life's mission. Welcome back to the Freedom Footprint Show, a Bitcoin philosophy show with Knut Svanholm and me, Luke the Pseudofin. Today, we sit down with Ivan Makadonsky from Breeze to discuss his interesting and very personal orange pilling journey. In this episode, we discuss hyper-Bitcoinization, Bitcoin's role as a generational wealth safeguard, and as a shield against violence. We also debate the sovereign individual thesis, and we learn more about Breeze and its services. Before we start, we'd like to quickly remind you that the best way to support the show is to stream us some sats or send us a boost on a value-for-value podcasting app like Fountain or Breeze. If you get value from the show, please consider sending some value back our way. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe, and to turn on notifications so you never miss a weekly episode. And finally, we want to thank today's sponsors, Orange Pill App, Wasabi Wallet, and Consensus Network. All their information is in the description, and we'll be talking a little more about them later. And so, without further ado, here is Ivan Makadonsky on The Freedom Footprint Show. Ivan, welcome to The Freedom Footprint Show. Thanks for inviting me, and excited for the chats. Yeah, nice to have you here, Ivan. We met briefly in Bulgaria last year, in, at the, oh, what was it, that co- uh, conference called the Crypto Revolution, and it, which is being rebranded to the Bitcoin Revolution <laughs> this year. It sounded like a shitcoin conference, but it was definitely not a shitcoin conference. It was a very, very nice little conference organized by a guy called Plamen Andonov that we should also try to get on the pod. Look, yeah, I had a swell time in Bulgaria. We, we, uh, we got to travel around in a bus, uh, a couple of the speakers and a couple of other people just after the conference. And that was really great. And uh, what a fascinating country, such rich history. Such a long history. We yeah. saw a lot of cool things. Yeah, uh, I mean, I bet that you realize some stuff that probably I don't know. I just saw tweets here and there. Flamen just organized it very packed in the time span that you were in our country to see a lot of stuff. And you, even you guys uh, saw a black swan. That was a popular tweet <laughs> with Jeff Booth. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we saw Black Swan and some, uh, some stuff with it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we saw also a uh, cyber hornet. Like there was like a metal hornet that was stuck into a wall. It was a piece of art somewhere. So we tweeted at Sailor and he replied. <laughs> so who were we? Like it's me and Jeff Booth and Natalie Brunel, Greg Foss. Yeah, yeah I'm, I still haven't made those. I survived four days in a bus with Greg Foss t-shirts. Still working on that. <laughs> yeah. But it was a cool conference and uh, we chatted a bit there. 
I gave some cookies to everyone, uh, just trying to make my part to make an impression. And in the VIP was also a cool experience. All right. So, so tell us your story. What's, uh, who are you, Ivan? And uh, what do you do? I would say that my story starts with the 2008 financial crisis that uh, contributed to my story and why Bitcoin is important. And in 2013, because of the financial crisis, my mother was the main provider in our family. And she created a business around CBO engineering and she did fairly well. But uh, in 2008, uh, when things happened, she started to budget some stuff. We weren't lacking anything specific, but the person next to her wasn't really working. And she demanded a central bank. I want just more and more without effort. And in 2013, she said, look, I had enough. I want a divorce and started to take steps in that direction. But because he didn't like that at all, and uh, I don't know if you realize this directly, that the golden goose is flying away. And because uh, he didn't like that, well, uh, it was a very bad experience uh, before that, but he decided to kidnap and kill her because of it. And in 2014, when that thing happened, I had to take care of my younger sister. And I found out that even though my mother had a will, how she wanted to split uh, the assets if something happened to her, you realize that your will uh, in the fiat system is not your will. It's what the state allows it to be. And me having to deal with all the problems and not only the problems with the inheritance piece, but uh, all the people that uh, took advantage of our vulnerability in that period and all sorts of uh, ways to block us. Banks uh, not allowing uh, a lot of stuff to happen in our advantage. Courts uh, just wanting their money in order to start litigating for the justice thing. And all those problems, I was just thinking, how do I figure out those kinds of things? And uh, fortunately, we managed to deal with that. And in 2019, increasingly, I started to hear Bitcoin, crypto, Bitcoin, Ethereum, stuff like that. And in 2021, I finally capitulated and I said, okay, I'm going to learn about this and I'm going to prove that everything is a scam. And I was absolutely right for everything but Bitcoin. And through that experience, I figured out, okay, this is different. But the thing that I was searching for in my experience about the inheritance piece, I found out that the Bitcoin will can be 100% of your exact will, what you want to happen after you are gone. And uh, because that was my emotional button, then I realized, okay, this is something special for me specifically, and I'm going to do whatever is necessary so it doesn't repeat again in my kid situation or whatever it may be. But then you dig deeper about the remittances, then you dig deeper about what is really money, how societies are made, what are financial institutions, all those sorts of things. When you open layer by layer, it started to consume my life. And at some point I felt compelled that I need to contribute to this space. I am right now safe and with Bitcoin and my sister, the skills that we accumulate, that it's going to be fine. Even the things that they stole from us, 
We are going to come back in a different form. We are going to earn it. But even if we don't earn the exact amount of money that uh, we lost, we are going to have, and I say we about me and my sister, we're going to have the life that we want. And I think that's the main thing that a parent should want for their kids. And that's kind of the story. And I'm going to leave you guys to take it how you want to take it. Wow. That's an, that's an awful beginning to the story and uh, and uh, a beautiful ending to oh well it's it's not it hasn't ended yet it's a story that can go on forever thanks to bitcoin uh, and get better and better through the generation but it's awful that that the as you say how how much advantage they take of you they take advantage over you when you're at your absolute lowest point you f- you can hardly think of anything more tragic than that happening and and then being taken advantage of uh, on top of that that's just brutal but speaking of wills and uh, and bitcoin I, I i heard sailor in an interview said something about like how uh, wills and and important documents on the blockchain are going to be valuable in the future. And I, whenever I hear stuff like that, I think of 2017, because it sounds like all the arguments that the, the shitcoiners made back then and that we were, and even the, the, um, B-cashers and so on, and that we, we were going to need bigger blocks and we are going to need all of these other features for Bitcoin. And what I think about that is that. People, people miss that Bitcoin fixes this issue without needing to cryptographically secure, uh, quote unquote, cryptographically secure documents or other stuff. If you have Bitcoin, you can just figure out a way for your kids to, to receive 12 words when you die. And if you do, you can give them 99% of your wealth that way. So if you keep your money in Bitcoin, the problem is solved. And this is the thing, the more you think about Bitcoin and what it unlocks, what superpowers it unlocks, you you see that the more wealth you allocate to your Bitcoin stack instead of your physical stuff, the more powerful all of these superpowers become. So you can effectively, you know, make an inheritance plan for 20 generations down. You can dub your children to knights and little lords and ladies. Like it's the same kind of power that feudalism gave the lords and ladies. Like that, that's what it is. You can have generational wealth and you can make sure that it survives down the generations. You can even time lock and unlock half of a stack every, with every halving or with, with even with every generation, every 50 years or something. You can, you can think of all sorts of ways for, for your kids to inherit your wealth without the need for there even being a will. I mean, and in my opinion, like, Bitcoin sort of shows us through this, this is one of the aspects of Bitcoin that shows us that we don't really need stuff. We need a way to secure our wealth so so we can live peacefully and at peace with ourselves and at peace with our environment. And when you have the security of, I have shit that they can't take, uh, then you realize that all the stuff is just a, a cherry on top of that, uh, or it should just be a cherry on top of that. Uh, what are your absolutely. thoughts? Absolutely. And as I said, it was an emotional button for me and the inheritance piece. But uh, when it really sealed all that learning, because I think there are three really big themes in the Bitcoin space when I was learning. The first one is the engineering point of view that finally we have a properly engineered money. 
The second one was the technology, what, how it's a deflationary force and how that plays in the world and uh, following Jeff Ghost about that. And the third one for me is the Jason Lowry thesis about the power projection. And because I kind of experienced the power projection game in the fiat wheel and stuff like that, it really hit me hard. And then I started uh, to share this knowledge about everything and I figured out, okay, not only that you can take care of yourself, but everything else is so unprotected. And what he is sharing right now, that um, there is a benefit of attacking somebody and there is a cost of attacking somebody. And if the benefit is higher than the cost, then you're attackable. Uh, it's beneficial uh, for somebody to attack you because their costs are low. And uh, Bitcoin introduces, first of all, this property that the benefits could be completely unknown. And also, everybody in the network is helping to protect everybody else in the network. So for the first time, that's, in a sense... The ultimate sport, like uh, if we compare, let's say, any type of sports 50 years back, everybody got increasingly better and better and better. And now the sport is on a higher level than 50 years ago, whichever sport it is. But uh, in Bitcoin, we're not only playing the same sport, but we're helping each other and we're all on the same team. The only people that are outside of this team and not contributing to the whole network is uh, obviously people that are not on our side. But uh, yeah, when I, I, heard... I would say I would say no one's outside uh, of this team because they just haven't understood the game yet. Because even the elites that you know want to steal from other people would benefit from just doing Bitcoin and collaborating instead. It's just that they can't see it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But when you think that you are outside of um, this network and when you try to attack it, you don't realize that you're making a stronger and all the properties and the effects that's coming after that. But when you view yourself in another team, you're kind of depleting your resources. You're kind of all the effects on the other side. And at some point, the cost for them will be so high that they'll be forced to join. Again, going back to that equation, because they think that they have a benefit right now to attack it. And when they realize, okay, this is not dying, so I better start accumulating and not just waste resources like we experienced uh, last week about the fees. Okay, let's spend uh, 20 cents uh, or uh, $20 fee or whatever people experienced with their shit tokens. Bitcoin is a very, uh, truthful thing and uh, trying to manipulate it is not the way. It, uh, the way for me really is try to understand it on a really, really deep level. And because there was nothing like it before, you have to realize it in multiple verticals. Uh, like I said, technology, money, sociology, praxeology, like all sorts of ways to put it in the right context so you can really go deep because there wasn't anything really uh, like this ever before. Even the money that we used, it, it's kind of uh, better money, but for me, it's not only money. Uh, it's so much more that people don't realize. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and 
totally on board with that. Uh, like I view my, my latest thoughts about this, uh, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Like, but, but first, let's unpack the attack vector thing. I haven't read Lowry's book, but I think he talks about the con as a weapon. I view it more as a shield, or or like like a shield around the Starship Enterprise or something in Star Trek. That's just a power field around stuff or around people, rather. Uh, because as you say, like the, the benefit is uh, an, an unknown and that is true for everyone on earth. I, I can threaten anyone on earth and say, give me all your Bitcoin, but I can never know how many Bitcoins another person have has. I, I can make it an educated guess, but I can never truly know how, mu- how much Bitcoin there was, that was potentially there. So it's probably better for me to interact voluntarily and trade with the person than to physically attack him. Agreed. Uh, and I think it's a beautiful thing. And this ties back to why to that Bitcoin is just information. It's all information. So even even if you don't, uh, I've repeated this in several episodes here, but I'm going to do the rant again. If, even if you just have a, uh, a secret location to where your private key is, the information about your private key and by extension then the information about how to unlock those bitcoins is in your head so this is true for every bitcoin owner which means that every bitcoin that it, that exists is just in someone's head so it's a part of that person and if you think about what a node runner is like you you buy a, a raspberry pi you install umbrella or whatever whatever you choose to do you use an old pc and run bitcoin core you whatever you do you're the guy making the decision to run the node the computer and the software is just doing the calculations for you. And you can you can choose to trust software. You can choose to verify tr- software. You can choose all sorts of action. But the, the deciding party, the guy who decides to do all this, is always a person. Same for a miner. A miner is using a computer to guess a number. So a miner is not the ASIC mining Bitcoin. It's the guy who owns the ASIC that mines Bitcoin. I think a lot of people like confuse hash power for cost of hash power because the real security in Bitcoin is not how many hashes per second we have. It's how, how expensive those hashes are. The real physical cost of buying the energy needed to guess the number, that's what secures Bitcoin, not how many hashes per second we do. So it's the cost uh, of doing those hashes. Yeah. So, so as computers get better, the cost of hashing power goes down over time, all the time, because the ASICs get better. But it's still the cost that is important to Bitcoin. And that is what's being adjusted for every two weeks or every 2016 blocks. That's, that's what the difficulty adjustment, the, all the difficulty adjustment sees is the, the actual hashes. But it's, it's that those hashes are costly to whoever chooses to mine. That, that actually secures the network, which ties it, which is the beautiful thing that ties it to physical reality and just not some mirage bullshit thing yeah. like Ethereum or any other yeah, shit, like yeah, proof of state. You literally described what uh, Jason Larry talks about, that uh, you can't secure yourself through logic because logic is exploitable. Whether uh, it's yeah. Uh, yeah, no, centralized and it's internal exploitation, or because it's cheap and it's attackable from external exploitation, that and that's what uh, exactly he's trying to not preach but uh, share on that message uh, that the proof of work is uh, in his mind from uh, his point of view that uh, that is how we figured out to protect our property 
through radio energy because there's an actual cost for the attack and uh, there isn't any other way. And for the first time ever, we are going to protect our property, not through bloodshed, but through electrical power competition. Yeah, but I don't think this is on a nation state level and I can't ever see how it could be because it's always some guy holding the keys. And some guy is not a nation. Like, that's the thing. A nation is a fictional thing. It's something we tell ourselves that, that it's real. But in this sense, in, in the sense of information being literally valuable, a nation is nothing. It's, it's worth nothing. And all the borders, like, like when I flew to Bulgaria, I go through this border control and I come out into the airport and they have a, a local shit coin that you have to use and you have to change money and stuff. Yeah. And all of that is bullshit. It's, it's, yeah. it's someone bullshitted everyone else. Like, and it's true for every country on earth. It's, <laughs> of course, not only Bulgaria, but it, this is how countries and borders work. They were put there by someone at some time because some asshole ancestor was mean to some other asshole, uh, some less assholey ancestor and took their stuff. That's, that's, that's all there is. It's just the heritage of mankind that we have this history of free markets mixed with violence that have ended up in this structure of, you know, nations. And before that was religions, maybe. And before that, tribes and clans and stuff. But it's still all fictional. The emperor has no clothes. And Bitcoin yeah. sort of puts a spotlight on that fact. Like, hello, you're doing this wrong. Like, there's a better way to do everything. You can just help one another and be nice. <laughs> and and I, I think it's beautiful. Yeah, I definitely agree that it's just all fictional and all logical. And so because it's logical, it's exploitable through logic. And all the laws that are in any particular country are because somebody wants some type of uh, war. And so they said, okay, I prove that I can protect my property. But what is going to happen from now on? And colliding with the sovereign individual thesis definitely is going to uh, disintegrate the really, really big uh, centralization uh, powers more and more. How exactly what, I don't know, but I am here to really give um, the lives back to all the people that were stolen from the most. And when I say to somebody, do you know that slavery happened because of inflation or these kind of sound bites? here and there, so it provoked uh, the other person to ask a question and not just force-feeding them all back Bitcoin. And then um, the first time uh, when Bitcoin goes down, they sell it on a loss. It sold, so so much uh, than just money. And uh, I had no idea that I had no idea. Like, <laughs> yeah. That, like, uh, yeah. Well put. That's That's... That's how I feel. Like uh, no one has an idea that they have no idea. They, they they don't know the extent of the charade. Like it's it it's all it's all fictional, and th that's what's so hard to grasp. And that's why it's so hard to change your mind about money, because you 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 thought it was one thing all your life, and now here comes this other thing that proves to you that it wasn't. That's such, such an eye opener. And Bulgaria yep. like was so interesting because it's a piece of modern history. All all of the East Bloc Soviet uh, stuff in the country, and how how that has, especially in, in Sofia, the 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 capital, how how communism sort of made that place ugly when it should really be one of the most beautiful cities in the world. It's uh, 
it has all these thousands of years of history with buildings from all sorts of uh, eras and epochs, but most of it is communism. Yeah. Uh, all buildings look the same and it's just, it's like someone raped architecture. <laughs> Unfortunately, the, the, the further you got out into the countryside, the, the, the less of that you saw. But, but the, the tour guide we had, she told us about Soviet, some East Bloc history. And I was very fascinated. I've been fascinated by that stuff for a long time. Uh, I recently read the white film by Michael Malice also about that whole era. And I think what most people in the West don't realize is that when you let the state run amok and let them, when you give politicians that much power, what you get is a giant prison where every citizen is basically uh, <laughs> uh, imprisoned. Uh, that's what it is. Uh, everyone's a slave. Everyone's imprisoned, and it didn't fall down and break break apart until the the elite saw how much better life could be if they had freer markets. I don't remember if it was Gorbachev or Yeltsin. I think it's Gorbachev when he saw some supermarket in a one horse town in the U.S. and he's like, "Holy shit, this is <laughs> this is better than what we eat in the palaces in in, in Moscow." Like, so we have to do something about we're we're doing something wrong. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, you have to have the humility to say, I might be wrong. And I think that is one of the reasons uh, why people don't want to understand Bitcoin. I, I think that people usually don't want to learn because they're educated that uh, learning is bad. But the other thing is really about ego. If you don't practice this over your life, I could be wrong. Then you're not open to new ideas just to start uh, that uh, process of uh, learning about the new idea. And I think that's kind of the reason why engineers get uh, Bitcoin first much faster because they have that type of capacity in their process to think, okay, I think this should work this way, but they test it before they build it. <laughs> uh, so it has the chance uh, to really be... Uh, a proper structure or whatever they're building, the proper design in the real world. And uh, because my experience, I am officially not a, a licensed engineer, but I studied and worked in the civil engineering for eight years. And I have that uh, type of capacity. And especially with my experience, I intentionally wanted to prove this is wrong. And because I worked in three forex companies in a span of uh, three months, uh, actually two months, and uh, in the, those forex companies used crypto to scam people. And uh, in 2015-16, uh, in the hardest period of my life, I just I was attracted to it because they were paying uh, better salaries than on the rest of the places. But when I close somebody, I find out what they are doing internally. And I said, okay, I'll quit. <laughs> and they say, oh, stay. We want uh, you to say, oh, we are going to give you more money. And I said, no, I'm not going to work for this type of company. And I left. And I went to another company thinking that there would be an ethical one company in this uh, field. And there wasn't. And that's why I, I went to those three. And that was um, the really priming force for me to say, okay, it's all just coming people away. It took a year for my uh, lady to bug me and tell me, okay, learn about this, learn about this. I bought one Ethereum for 50 pounds and now it's 4,000 bucks. And uh, finally I said, okay, I'm going to learn about this and I'm going to prove that you're wrong. And I was wrong. 
So now even she is a Bitcoiner and going around the uh, different places to share the orange message. Today's show is brought to you by our sponsors. First up, Orange Pill app. Stack friends who stack sats. Meet like-minded Bitcoiners near you and speed up hyper-Bitcoinization with Orange Pill app. Bitcoin isn't an online-only phenomenon, and Orange Pill app helps facilitate the social layer, connecting Bitcoiners in their local area. The best part is it maintains your privacy through the whole process, and since you have to subscribe to access the app, you know that everyone there is high signal and cares about Bitcoin. A great new feature is events. You can now create local events and meetups right from the Orange Pill app to help build your local community while maintaining the Bitcoin-only signal. Orange Pill app is available on iOS and Android. Download now. Next up, Wasabi Wallet, an open-source, non-custodial desktop Bitcoin wallet that is trustless, easy to use, and affordable. It has CoinJoin built in to facilitate your privacy. Every Bitcoin transaction leaves a clear footprint, but with Wasabi, you can make sure that others can't track your steps and threaten your sovereignty. Just send your coins to Wasabi, wait, and your coins will be private on the other end. It's open source, trustless by design, and non-custodial. You have full control over your keys. Check it out now at wasabiwallet.io. Double-check that link. That's wasabiwallet.io. Your, your hat says Breeze. So you work yeah. with Breeze Wallet, right? So yeah. tell, us about, tell us about Breeze Wallet. What, what, what differentiates Breeze Wallet from other Bitcoin wallets? I would say that uh, perception that Breeze is a wallet is uh, very incomplete. Uh, Breeze really is lightening out the service. And uh, the founders of uh, the company saw that, okay, lightning is the thing that could uh, make Bitcoin from a store of value to become really the medium of exchange because it's really scalable and it could be used uh, for fast, cheap, and small payments. But obviously, a lot of things need to be done. And the framework that they uh, foresaw is like the internet. Everybody has the internet service provider that they are taking care of all the complexities about the hardware, about all the tech that comes uh, into us using the internet. And we're just using one browser to view that internet in the proper design. And that is what uh, Breeze is doing. They are taking care of all the complexities on the lightning uh, service. So taking care of channels, opening, closing, rebalancing, all that things that you have to accumulate to run your own node. But the wallet part is again, uh, running a full node on your mobile device, but all the complexities are taken care of behind the scenes. And the application itself is just an interface or a browser uh, that you're interacting in the Lightning Network. And in the application itself, there are three interfaces. There's a wallet, but there's also a podcasting player where you can stream sats to the host. Uh, and behind the scenes, when you even stream sats, you can split them up on the proper way that you want. And the third thing that uh, the team did is a point of sale. So even uh, for small merchants, they can't afford a point of sale because of the fiat fees, the contracts and all the impediments in that process. But with uh, the point of sale with Lightning, whether that's Breeze or somebody else, 
you just download that thing for free and you pay like 0.1% uh, the regular lighting fees, something like that. So extremely cheaper. And I can answer the, that actually about the fees. It was 0.49% if I remember correctly, because we actually used the Breeze point of sale when we went to Northern Lightning in Bergen, Norway. And we used it because it had the currency conversion because we had to do the local currency and euros and, and all this and that. And so that was helpful. But uh, the, the, but the fee was, was acceptable because the, the other thing about it is we, we also needed something to kind of, um, keep the, uh, balances. Uh, separate because we we had Knut's books, we had um, Bitcoin standards and that sort of thing there. So yeah, the 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 entire thing basically was uh, was uh, helpful because because Breeze made it, um, uh, it easy. Yeah, and the only yeah. other option would have been I think at that time using something like Wallet of Satoshi or something like that, which which could have been okay. But uh, no, Breeze was much more straightforward from the point of sale perspective. I think. Yeah. And one thing, the uh, 0.4% fee is when you want to open channels. But once you open channels, the fees are much, much, much less. For example, I paid the designer uh, something over the internet. And for 100,000 Satoshis, I paid one Satoshi for the transfer. That's after you open the channel. So uh, as I mentioned, that's kind of the fees that you're paying to the lightning service provider. So they take care of all that opening channels and stuff like that. But even that, uh, we're expanding with the SDK now. And, uh, exactly today, Roy dropped, uh, Medium article that the SDK will allow the developers not to know even about, uh, the complexity of us in the lightning ecosystem and to build your own infrastructure. But you just design an app that you want to provide value for your users and you plug it in with the lightning service provider. And now you have global payments in your ecosystem. So is Breeze open source? Yes, it's entirely open source. And uh, yeah, everything is on GitHub or yeah. Nice. Sounds excellent. Keep up the good work. Uh, I mean, yeah, Lightning as a service. I think Lightning service providers are the the new internet providers of the internet. Yeah, <laughs> internet that's service. Exactly right. the work that they or so. So yeah, yeah, it's it's about to happen. Like uh, it's already happening. That's the thing. Hyperbitcoinization is is not theoretical. It's it's very real and it's going on right now. We're in the early stages, but it is happening. And when you're in Bitcoin and when you travel around and when you meet all the all the people working building things in the bear market, and you know, it's it's just beautiful because you see that the no 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 you're not going to convert this guy back. Like there there's no unorange filling someone, especially yeah. not people who. But technical people who also get the philosophical side, they said that no way you're going to convert that guy back. Like he's going to work on this first. This is his vocation. This is his icky guy. What's it called? The Venn diagram, the Japanese thing where you get the, the, what you can make money of, what you love doing, what you, what provides value to others and all of this stuff packed into one. That's, uh, that's what working on Bitcoin is. Exactly. And so even if you don't contribute to the developer space, because I'm also not a developer, uh, when we met in the conference, uh, I already gave my notice in the fiat job and I was searching, uh, for a position and I didn't have any type of ego what I'm going to do, but I you decided make cookies. To, 
We have to press yeah. a button. Do you accept yeah. cookies? And we have to press yeah. yes, you know, before uh, we could accept the cookies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I made a cookie just to make an impression there. But uh, I decided this is kind of my life's mission. There isn't a better humanitarian thing that you could do. I was I'm trying to be the best version that I could be because as of the experience that I had, I had to take uh, not as moral decisions in normal circumstances, but if there are people against you, you have to adapt so you, uh, you can fight back and yeah. stuff like that. There, there's no un-orange feeling someone. Especially yeah. not people who, uh, technical people who also get the philosophical side. They said that no way you're going to convert that guy back. And I just want to play my really small part in all of that because history will remember who were on that side and who will be on the other side, especially. I, I'm not doing this out of ego, but uh, as I mentioned in the conference to some of uh, the guys that were in the VIP, if I have to be the janitor in any company, I'll do it uh, because I'll take off that load. So I'm still part of that process. And this is my life's mission. Like uh, you said, try convincing me otherwise, like no fucking way. I will die before that thing happens. Yeah. And you, you, you got to this point the hard way. And that's unfortunate, of course. Th that's uh, an unfortunate truth about your humanity. Like most of us. During Nazi Germany, we we would have been good little Nazis just saying yes to yeah. anything. Like when the government yeah. tells you you need to do this, you need to do that. Now uh, I'm going to say this in ways that won't get us banned on YouTube. But when the government tells you to do something, uh, like some governments might or may not have done just uh, a year ago, <laughs> yeah, we would have been like <laughs> Anne Frank's over there. She's right there. <laughs> like uh, like this. There's no way. That most people would have resisted Nazism. We would have just gone along with it. So the way I see it, if you don't want Nazism in your country, don't be a nationalist and don't be a socialist. It's very easy. You just have to, again, have the humility to not just to also blindly follow the Bitcoiners, but to really understand why for yourself. And everybody has their own um, point of view, their own life. But because money touches everything, believe me, Bitcoin is the thing for you. You just have to realize uh, how is it relevant the most for you? What is your emotional trigger about money? Uh, and the people that don't have money problems will get it last, in my opinion. Yeah, which is a an extremely beautiful aspect of it. It's finally the the the, the least fortunate. Uh, among us get vindicated and and have a chance to to actually leapfrog some of some of the people in the in the west that that is like and that's uh, another experience from from bulgaria is like the people in uh, and not only from bulgaria but from other other countries in in eastern europe that i traveled to lately it's like the the people from eastern europe they're not as easily fooled as we are in the west because they're they're 
history of totalitarianism is much more recent. So they remember what their parents told them. Like their parents didn't tell them to trust the government. They told them to not trust the government because they know what happens. So so that I, and I think that moves in cycles. And there's a point to this fourth turning thinking. So it happens in cycles all, all over the globe. And unfortunately, we're here, here in the West, we're in the trusting government goes too far as part of the cycle and, and not in the let's just do whatever we want part of the cycle. So I think especially for the, the, the places in the world that have really suffered, uh, places in Africa and South America, that they really know where, what inflation means, like in Argentina or, or Zimbabwe or something. They know what this means, and as soon as they find this beautiful solution, they're going to surpass so many of us, like, on an individual level. You're going to see Zimbabweans yeah. and Argentinians uh, all over the world making making headlines in, yeah. in a decade or two. Even if they don't truly understand it, they will feel it. And when one of those guys uh, really feels it and takes a chance even before understanding it. Now for the next three years, he will convert so many people around him uh, because of it. Uh, but even in the worst inflation places, Bitcoin is a, a all-time fire already. So you cannot unsee that once you see it. Those small bits and pieces, just like me, like uh, in the bull market in 2021, Bitcoin was everywhere and it's kind of bugging. <laughs> and unfortunately, that is the worst time where you should start studying it. But uh, it was like, oh, this person quit their job and retired. Oh, this one did that. A person returned money that he was owing me for two years. Uh, all sorts of things happen in the mobile uh, market. But uh, yeah, I'm. Extremely happy for all the people in Argentina, in Africa, in all the people that were stolen from the most. And now for the first time, even if they don't leave fraud uh, in monetary value or the Bitcoins that they have, they finally will have a firm ground. Their life is back. The human energy that's going to be unleashed now, imagine that everybody in Argentina, the human, like, physically moving stuff from one place to another, it's 90% down because of the inflation. And if that thing is unleashed and you can build anything on top, it's a beautiful, beautiful world. It's going to play out uh, with a lot of resistance, I think. But uh, if we win the adoption game and if we really focus to bank the people that don't have a bank account, but not only now that they are going to have a bank account, but they will have a whole bank. They'll be the people that uh, will transfer and don't have to ask approval from anybody. And uh, I listened to one guy, uh, India guy, that he was stripped down naked because they were trying to find the Bitcoin. <laughs> and good luck. Like, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, like he went out and when you experience that and uh, what we talked about, the cost benefits uh, ratio, and you know that the power finally is within you, in you, good luck on seeing that. Good luck, uh, somebody that's against all those physical forces that they are trying to steal everything from you. And what I experienced personally, so many things were stolen from us from all sorts of ways. Is and now you find something 
that they cannot uh, fuck around with and they can steal. And uh, uh, what the web uh, forum, they popularized um, own nothing and be happy. And I would add own nothing but Bitcoin and be happy. Yeah, my, my paraphrasing of that is just change one letter from from the N to the E. So it's owe nothing and be, you'll owe nothing and be happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, think, speaking about how hard it is to, to get the correct information in uh, bull markets, because there's... We're getting flooded by uh, information about Bitcoin and quote-unquote information about Bitcoin, which also mentions a bunch of shit coins, and we're very easily duped that way. I saw a new resource that popped up on my radar. is called whybitcoinonly.com. Uh, have you heard about that website? Luke, have you heard about it? It no. showed up on Twitter. Uh, it's a very nice little uh, website that has sort of cataloged a lot of Bitcoin-only stuff in, in a really neat way. Uh, so I think this is like, if you're new to Bitcoin and you want to really do a deep dive and learn what this thing is, why Bitcoin-only looks like a, a great resource. There there are some other older resources like uh, Gigi's Bitcoin-only.com. There's one called BitcoinResources.com. They're also really good. But this this new one I just wanted to mention is it's like an honorary mention because I... I uh, I want them to keep up the good work. Yeah. yeah. Anybody that does even a small part, it's very, very valuable currently because we are so early and we need to cut through all that noise. So we uh, give the signal properly because uh, it's really hard to teach someone something that they think they know. But uh, if they are introduced to new information, they will adopt the new information as truth. And that kind of our biology, when they came to that rabbit hole uh, for some time, that we are not designed to uh, think that the other person is lying to us because we need to filter out a lot of stuff. Well, so that is the natural inclination is if you don't know about any type of, uh, about any subject, the first information that you hear, you just immediately take, okay, this is truth. And that's why it's very important for Bitcoiners to get to the no coiners first. And then yeah. the rest will uh, <laughs> figure itself out. And that's why public schooling is such a dangerous uh, brainwashing mach machine. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the first information that the kid gets. And the kid is... Is taught not to question whatever whatever the school tells him and, and or, or her. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's it's crazy when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, and not only it's taught not to uh, question, but uh, there is a teaching of obedience also. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. and uh, not only to question, but making it into a habit for all your life. Like, yeah. And, totally. and just uh, uh, that even if you're responsible for something yourself, you're, you serve for somebody to ask, can I do it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, why yeah. so so fewer entrepreneurs and or take on personal challenges and things like that. Because yeah. uh, for uh, decades, you're thought you need to ask permission from somebody. And even uh, thoughts that are independent are so hard. Because, oh, is that true? Because no, uh, nobody uh, can filter itself out. Nobody questions itself out. I um, actually quit two universities 
And uh, my family was not happy about that. But now it's okay. My grandma finally said, okay, you're not going to finish, but at least buy a house. And I should, okay, I'm buying for Bitcoin, then we'll talk about stuff. Yeah, yeah excellent. Yeah, I, I had a bunch of uh, experiences with responsibility like that when you, that, like the first time I was the captain of a ship, like that's, that's a, a thing I remember as like, holy shit, there's no one to to ask what to do like like i i'm the guy like people people ask me strange questions like when are we going to eat and i have like no answer to that question whatever <laughs> like it yeah. was always sorted by someone else there are no of course in managerial positions and whatever uh whenever you get promoted to and and get some more more responsibility there's always a wake-up call like there might not even be anyone here to to ask about these things but that's the, be the beauty of uh, Bitcoin and having like the, the playing field is all leveled now. So everyone's equal in Bitcoin and it's, it's a pure meritocracy. So these hierarchies that eventually will form in some, some way, they're, they're not formed yet. Like you can still, Definitely not. You, can, you can still like, it doesn't matter if you're a billionaire or if you're a bum and it doesn't matter who you are. Like what matters is what you do in this space and your dedication to it. And uh, yeah, and real stuff, results matter. So if you're talented, lucky you, if you can produce good results and provide someone else with value, you're the, you're the winner. And if you can't, you're a bit less of a winner. But you're not a lo yeah. but you're definitely not a loser because you're in Bitcoin. So uh, that's the thing. Uh, yeah, and I'm still. Once you're on the other side, then truly the unplugged from the matrix, you see so many other things that you were taking for granted, and uh, you just see why it's so hard for not to see it before you take the leap. But uh, even when people buy Bitcoin. They want to ask, oh, who uh, is in charge? Who was Satoshi will go back? Well, like all these uh, type of pre-assumptions uh, and they want to trust somebody. Like they want to give that type of responsibility to someone else. Uh, there has to be some type of authority. And I think uh, it's also uh, important for authorities because they, um, natural selection kind of happens that way. There is one type of authority and we give uh, the best uh, genes, a lot of things kind of for free, but that's the way that nature so, uh, figures out what needs yeah, to die and what doesn't. It's the Pe uh, Petersonian yeah. lobster theory. <laughs> they, Jordan Peterson I, talks about lobsters and how hierarchies uh, are similar in lobsters uh, <laughs> and in human beings. You know more about the, his theories on that, Luke, than I do, I think. But yeah, this one is a, it's, it's about, um, the, the role of serotonin essentially in, uh, in maintaining yeah. hierarchies. And if you, exactly. the, the lobster that wins more gets constantly higher up in the hierarchy and the lobster that loses more goes down in the hierarchy. And it's kind of a feedback loop. And the, the reason that the lobster example was used is mostly to show originally to show that this is a natural phenomenon and it's very simple. Uh, it, it, lobsters are very simple organisms. They've got hardly any nervous system and it's distributed throughout their body. Uh, that's their brain. And, and, but, but they have this circuitry that, uh, that works. And it, it's, it's a way of explaining 
human uh, interaction. And I, I, <laughs> I like that because it's very similar to, to praxeology yeah. in that sense, yeah, yeah. because it's not trying to say, it's not prescribing anything. It's just saying this is a description. And so I like that part. Yeah, but everyone can has experienced, you know, increases and decreases in their self-esteem. And that's basically exactly what it is. Like if 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 you're on a roll, if you feel like you're winning and uh, your self-esteem goes up, then you can accomplish much much more because you dare to do stuff instead of being scared all the time. So it's it's very much tied to fear, I think. And th- this is this is another thing with Bitcoin that I find so fascinating. It removes fear from the and I've noticed that the opposite of fear is love. <laughs> and this is one of the more new agey thoughts I have about this. But the, the, the thing is that it's tied to time preference. Because if you have a really high time preference, so if someone stole all your shit, then you have nowhere to, you, you, you need to find shelter for the night. You need to find food for the day so that you survive. So you're in a state of fear. The more shit you have, the more secure your future is the less fearful you are and the more you can afford to be altruistic and loving. And that sounds sort of weird in uh, in the fiat world, be, world because when we think of rich people, we think of Gordon Gekko and, and like people people taking advantage of others. But that only works on a fiat standard. In On a Bitcoin standard, money cannot be used to take advantage of people in that way. You have to provide others with value in order to acquire them. Uh, and, uh, and that's the beauty of it. Like, so, so that this... Increased serotonin will go to the right people and not to the wrong ones, as is the case now. Anyway, yeah. a bit of a rant there. Uh, yeah, I, I would like to contribute uh, to that thought because it's tied. I think I was following the, I don't know if you know the neuroscientist Andrew Huberman, and uh, he talks about uh, how people quit naturally quit and how our um, human meat machinery is designed in a way, uh, at least they were trying to figure it out. And one of the things that they discovered is if your visual field, let's say you are running and uh, they were trying to figure out who are the ultra marathoners that quit than the others that don't, because uh, when you run that far, uh, only mentally you actually quit. But what happens uh, to quit? And uh, they figured out that if in your visual field, you see that the thing that you're pursuing gets further and further away. That means that you're not making progress and it's eventually you're quitting. And in the ultra marathon world, you don't actually see the finish line, but it's mental. And you can see or uh, coming closer or getting further away mentally and it um, produces the same result. But Vice versa is also very important because if you see that the thing is coming closer, that gives you dopamine and now you uh, are more inclined to continue the pursuit of the, um, because it's getting closer and closer and that's how you continue now to do so. And uh, for money, because the inflation is really in the game of this gets further and further and further away. Now you're much more inclined to quit your goals, to quit this, to quit that, uh, all sorts of ways. But with Bitcoin, you're on the firm ground. And even if it's a little bit closer, it's getting closer. And that 
uh, gives you motivation to continue faster and to continue better. Not only, oh, I achieved this very fast, so now I'm going to increase my uh, time for preference to pursue something uh, a, a little bit further. Achieve this, so even further thing, and now you can really, it's also tied to that time preference set, what you mentioned. So yeah, that's kind of I'm tying uh, on the neurological side and it's absolutely transformative. Yeah, that's beautiful. Beautifully put. Like, and, and uh, yeah, that that's a very interesting theory. That we you need this. Maybe self-esteem is something to think more about than how it ties to uh, ties into time preference and what the connection is there. Because I I, I think that's definitely a connection between time preference and self-esteem. Uh, a beggar on the street is usually not the guy with the most self-esteem in the world. Like, yes, yeah. uh, I I recommend a uh, uh, book. The uh, dopamine, the molecule of board, uh, it's really tied oh. about uh, all those sorts of things. Oh, thank and, you. And uh, what I mentioned is really about uh, how it uh, is the sex drive, career, like uh, really it's an, uh, encapsulated the uh, molecule of more and how it runs our lives. Yeah, fascinating molecule, that dopamine. <laughs> Luke, do you have anything more to to, to ask Ivan about? I, I think this is uh, this little rant here about the lobsters and the serotonin and the dopamine is a good good uh, note to end on. Uh, I, I, abs- absolutely fascinating conversation. You, you're the guy that making your family's future history be be a different thing than your your past family history. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. So it's a keep keep up the good work. And uh, yeah. Lovely chatting to you, Ivan, and I hope to see you again. I hope to come back to Bulgaria this year if if there's a conference again there. So if you see Plamen, uh, say hello from me and give him a hug. And uh, yeah, I miss his laughter. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that. Maybe we see each other outside of Bulgaria. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Are you coming uh, to Prague? Uh, no, but uh, Roy is coming for the Chuck Dev Day for the open source projects and things like that. So All you right. can and chat with him about Brisbane. but uh, we'll see. Obviously, every orange brother out there, it's already a brother. So I'm trying to do my part and setting up a meetup twice a month uh, to meet and discuss all sorts of things. Nice. Uh, Bitcoin related, but as I mentioned, it is my life's mission. So well, whatever it is in the future holds, now the humanity has a firm ground and uh, let go achieve everything that the humanity wants to achieve. Because for the first time ever, it's possible. We just don't know when. <laughs> exactly. The show is also sponsored and produced by Consensus Network, the first Bitcoin-only publishing house. Consensus specializes in translations of Bitcoin books and also publishes original titles in English and many other languages. Check out bitcoinbook.shop or consensus.network to see everything Consensus has to offer. We're also always looking for new contributors. Whether you have a book you want to publish, you want to help translate books into your native language, or you have some other way you want to get involved. So if you want to help spread the Bitcoin message, reach out to us by Twitter or email. Details are in the show notes. And finally, you can check out knutsvonholm.com for everything Knut, including some great Everything Divided by 21 Million merch and the Infinity Red Limited Edition wine. That's knutsvonholm.com for everything Knut. I think that's a great note to end on other than. Ivan, can you tell our listeners where they can find you and anything else about Breeze you'd like to mention? 
Yeah. Uh, I'm on Twitter as Napu2000, N-A-C-K-O-O, 2000, and at Noster, uh, Napu2000 at com. So, uh, yeah, chat to chat to everybody that's uh, the future of Bitcoiners. Yeah. Give our boy Ivan some, some zaps. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I think with that, thanks again, Ivan. And uh, this has been the Freedom Footprint Show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for chatting.